Welcome to Read Between the Covers. Today we dive into a significant and urgent topic, the crisis of African democracy. This episode is based on a detailed article from Foreign Affairs and we'll explore the complex layers of this issue. Across Africa, a question looms large in governance discussions. Which president will be ousted by his military next? In the past two decades, Africa has seen 13 successful coups, but notably, from August 2020 to November 2023, seven leaders were toppled by their militaries. This trend, primarily in the belt of Niger to Sudan, raises concerns of a wider crisis. Each coup has unique local drivers. In Mali, before President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita's 2020 ousting, a failed French-led intervention against Islamist violence eroded public trust, setting the stage for military intervention. Similarly, Burkina Faso's 2020 coup was also rooted in Islamist militancy. However, in Guinea and Gabon, Islamist militancy wasn't a factor. Guinea's coup in 2021 followed the president's attempt to extend his rule indefinitely. In Gabon, 2023's coup was triggered by rigged elections. Chad's 2021 coup exploited the death of a long-term president, and Sudan's military sought power amidst a popular protest movement. Despite varying causes, the frequent use of coups as a solution is alarming. A 2022 Afrobarometer study found widespread discontent with governments across Africa. Citizens in nearly every African state believed their countries were on the wrong track. In a notable shift, coups, especially in the Sahel, now often enjoy initial popular support. A 2022 UN Development Programme study revealed that 8 in 10 Malians supported their military junta, though such support tends to wane over time. Amid challenges like climate change, debt crises and inflation, people still rally for democratic reforms. But leaders in a quarter of African countries have altered constitutional term limits to retain power, fueling further disillusionment. Global shocks have hit Africa hard. Climate change has brought hunger and disasters. The Ukraine crisis and reduced Chinese loans have also strained economies. Average inflation hit 16% in summer 2023, with Nigeria and Ethiopia facing even higher rates. This situation demands a new approach. It's crucial to shift from security assistance to governance reforms and economic support that can actually make a real difference in ordinary lives. In this segment, we uncover the hidden vulnerabilities that have persisted behind the scenes impacting democratic governance across the continent. In the early 2000s, Africa's political landscape was marked by a delicate balance. While some countries made genuine strides towards democratic consolidation, others merely performed democratization to appease Western powers. Elections, a cornerstone of democracy, were often manipulated. Incumbents frequently skewed the playing field, suppressing opposition parties, civil society, and press freedoms. Nations like the Central African Republic, Equatorial Guinea, and Zimbabwe fell into what's termed electoral authoritarianism, where elections are fixed and presidents overstay their term limits. Voting, for many, became a hollow ritual. 
economic growth dividends were not shared widely. Instead, some presidents actually favored elites, trading access to state resources for political loyalty, while sidelining public services. The 2008 global economic crisis was also a turning point, sending commodity prices plummeting. Then, the 2011 NATO-led invasion of Libya had catastrophic effects, particularly in West Africa. The human cost was immense. In Burkina Faso alone, 10% of the population has been displaced. French military interventions, starting in 2012, not only failed to curb militancy, but also fueled resentment towards neo-colonial attitudes from Paris. In the midst of turmoil, there were glimmers of hope. Ethiopia, under the same political coalition for three decades, saw a shift in 2018. Abiy Ahmed's ascent to power brought political reforms and a peace deal with Eritrea, earning him a Nobel Peace Prize in 2019. Similarly, Sudan's inspiring protest movement, led significantly by women, ousted autocrat Omar al-Bashir. Yet, these promising transitions derailed. Ethiopia plunged into a civil war, and Sudan's new generals dragged the country into another senseless conflict. The unipolar world is fading, with new players like China, Russia, Brazil, India, Turkey and Gulf monarchies offering African leaders alternatives to Western partnerships. This has unfortunately brought new conflicts, fueled by these powers supplying arms to favoured groups. In Sudan, the fighting has killed thousands, displaced 7 million and kept 19 million students out of school. Ethiopia's civil war has claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. While the crisis of democracy in Africa presents a complex picture, it's not all bleak. There are stories of resilience and hope that offer a different perspective. In East Africa and Southern Africa, for instance, some countries are steadily moving towards democratic consolidation. A striking example is Kenya. In 2007, post-election violence claimed over 1,000 lives. Fast forward to 2017, and Kenya's Supreme Court made a groundbreaking decision, overturning President Uhuru Kenyatta's victory due to election fraud allegations. It marked the first time an African top court ordered a rerun of a disputed election. Following Kenya's example, Malawi's Supreme Court in 2019 annulled President Mutharikwa's win citing election irregularities. The repeat vote was won by an opposition leader. Similarly, in Zambia in 2021, Hakainde Hichilema emerged victorious despite the incumbent's efforts to sway the election in his favour. Despite economic challenges, South Africa remains a beacon of democracy with strong institutions. The independent judiciary, in particular, upholds the country's progressive post-apartheid constitution. Conversely, academics like Siswen Borfi Walsh speak about neo-apartheid, a term that encapsulates how economic structures formed during the apartheid era continue to segregate and divide. Economic power structures established during apartheid have morphed but not entirely disappeared, creating a new form of economic apartheid. Furthermore, in Prisoners of the Past, Stephen Friedman introduces us to the work of Douglas North, 
a Nobel Prize-winning economist who used path dependence to explain how societies experience political change but remain tethered to an economic trajectory set in the past. In South Africa's case, the apartheid economy and its bifurcated society remain largely intact even after 30 years of ANC rule. Friedman contends that while apartheid's overt obscenities are discredited, the values of the colonial era still dominate. South Africa, therefore, supports free elections and civil liberties while perpetuating patterns of exclusion and domination. As such, it is quite evident that the road to democracy is not always linear. In Rwanda, for instance, the government is authoritarian but effective in service delivery. The warm reception of recent coups, especially in the Sahel, isn't a rejection of democracy. Instead, it reflects public exhaustion with ineffectual elites. A UN Development Programme study surveyed 8,000 Africans, with 67% in emerging democracies favouring democracy and 55 in junta-led countries also preferring democratic rule. This trend was echoed in a major survey by the Open Society Foundation, which found strong support for democracy among African respondents. It seems that the military interventions are seen as a stopgap by populations disillusioned with civilian rules failures. However, the response of Western governments, the African Union, and regional bodies to these coups has often aggravated instability. Sanctions and demands for reinstating ousted leaders have sometimes harmed civilians without meaningfully altering junta behaviours. This situation calls for a nuanced understanding and a tailored approach. It's not just about condemning coups, but also about addressing the underlying reasons why they happen and fostering genuine, effective governance. In this segment, we discuss the nuanced perspectives needed to understand and potentially reverse political instability in the region. The economic impact of coups is devastating. A University of Munich study over 70 years across 180 countries found that successful coups reduced GDP growth by 2 to 3 percentage points. Coups led to unpredictable policies, investor hesitation, and reduced donor programs. Efforts to reverse coups, such as in Niger, often prove futile. Hardline stances by foreign governments and institutions can limit their influence and actually exacerbate instability. Western governments and the UN should maintain essential humanitarian aid, avoiding broad sanctions that could harm citizens already in distress. ECOWAS, specifically, needs to reassess its sanctions, ensuring that they don't penalise ordinary people who often support coups out of economic and security desperation. In this part of our discussion on African democracy, we focus on broader actions required to prevent economic hardships from escalating into political crises. Across Africa, protests over the high cost of living are a testament to the growing frustrations among citizens, particularly in urban areas. While local governance plays a role, global economic conditions heavily constrain even the most dedicated African leaders. A critical issue is the burgeoning debt crisis. Africa's debt-to-GDP ratio now stands at 65%, exceeding the IMF's recommended limit. 
The number of sub-Saharan African countries in debt distress or at high risk has risen sharply, with Zambia defaulting on its sovereign debt in 2020 and Ghana struggling with a crippling 38% inflation rate. In 2024, numerous African countries face looming eurobond loan payments, diverting vital resources from public services, which will likely exacerbate citizen discontent. This situation underscores the interconnectedness of global economies and politics. The path to stability in Africa involves not just addressing political symptoms, but also tackling these underlying economic challenges head-on. In this final part of our episode, we focus on a pivotal element for enhancing African security and prosperity, the empowerment of its youth and moving beyond a purely security-based approach. Post-9-11, Western governments significantly shifted their focus from poverty alleviation to bolstering African military capacities. The shift to a predominantly security-oriented strategy, however, has shown limited success. Addressing the socio-economic factors that militants exploit is essential. Côte d'Ivoire presents a model worth replicating with its comprehensive economic development program for youth, yet... Investing in Africa's youth is not just altruism, it's enlightened self-interest. By 2050, 4 in 10 young people globally will be African, ensuring that they have the skills and opportunities to contribute to the global economy is crucial for sustained dynamism. A thought-provoking question was raised at a recent AU gathering. Would citizens celebrate if they woke up to a government overthrow? This reflects the urgent need for investments in governance and state-building, which, though arduous and painstaking, are indispensable. Encouraging good governance, though challenging, is the only viable path towards lasting peace and security in Africa. The task ahead is formidable, but essential for a continent brimming with potential. This concludes our deep dive into the crisis of democracy in Africa. The road ahead is complex, but with concerted effort and strategic investment, especially in its youth, Africa's future can be bright.